Hey everyone, welcome back to another season of Data Driven Health Radio. I'm your host, Dave Korsunsky. On this show, we speak to the experts and break down the technology and the data that is allowing us to measure, optimize, and understand our health in ways that have never been possible before. This show is for the health hackers, the data nerds, the athletes, the execs, the high performers, and anyone looking to take their health and their game to the next level. Be sure to check out our website and our health analytics app at headsuphealth.com and feel free to shoot us an email, support at headsuphealth.com with any comments, questions, or feedback on this show or our app. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening and let's get into our next episode. Hey everyone, welcome back to High Performance Health Radio. Today my guest is Bill Hanks from Cryo Recovery a personal friend, a business partner, a fellow insane entrepreneur, a badass biohacker, and Bill's going to educate us all on how to apply cryotherapy for a wide variety of reasons. So Bill, thanks for joining us. It's been really great working with you over the years. I love seeing your Facebook updates and all of the really cool stuff you're working on on your own personal biohacks. I know your mission is to bring this to your customers in the Houston area and spread this information abroad. So we really want to go deep on cryotherapy, but before we begin that, we'd love to learn about your journey, what led you to start Human now, correct? It's uh, yeah. You've yeah. rebranded. It's the uh, Human Performance Centers in the Houston area. So tell us how you got here. Tell us a bit about what you guys are working on over there. And then we really want to specifically get into cryo once we learn a little bit about your story. Okay. Yeah, well, thanks for the introduction. And yeah, we're doing our best here. It's always a challenge, you know, trying to get the word out, but things are changing quickly and people are recognizing that there is an optimal state that we can achieve and and we can always be working towards that. So I guess that's, you know, how I got started, really. Let's see, uh, it would probably be about five or six years ago. You know, I'm mid 30s, you know, exercising quite a bit, doing CrossFit. And man, I just always had this tendonitis in my knee. And it wasn't just like a little bit of soreness or anything like that. It was one of those tendonitis where you couldn't even sit down and you couldn't sit for more than five minutes without it hurting. And uh, so I was always having to stand, move around, walk around. So kind of followed the traditional routes of medical therapy with that, you know, went and saw orthopedics, some of the best doctors that I thought of here in um, Houston, like some of them were the Ironman Memorial Herman and doctors like that. So I thought, oh yeah, they, they'll be able to fix me, you know, and mm-hmm. get, it, get it going again. And so went and did that and, you know, it was uh, okay, we're going to do x-rays. Then they did an MRI and uh, basically really didn't find too much going on in my knee. They said, you know, yeah, there's some cartilage damage in there, but whatnot. But the solutions was what really just kind of like got me down thinking about like, you know, what they were offering. I mean, one was surgery. The other one was cortisone shots. And the other one was telling me not to be active, right? So quit doing your exercising, quit doing your workouts and things like that. And um, Was there an option D, which is I'll take none of the above? <laughs> well, that's, that's <laughs> what I went for, right? And so I remember leaving that day 
from, and this is probably after seeing two or three doctors and, and it was like, you know, and just seeing the look in their face and, you know, when somebody has confidence on what they're proposing to you on, on solving your problem, you kind of can sense that. And I remember just like looking at, you know, the doctors and they really didn't have any idea on what to do really. Mm-hmm. And so I remember leaving that day and I was like, man, I'm just going to have to kind of figure this out on my own and, and do something that can help me heal and help me stay active and do the things that I enjoy doing. I mean, you know, being just strapped to a couch and being sedentary just because I want my tendonitis to go away wasn't an option for me. And then the other alternative, and I did do this for a while, one doctor had me on just, you know, anti-inflammatories. And Mm -hmm. I don't know if our listeners, but I'm sure everybody has kind of heard like the downside of those, especially long-term. And so here you are, you know, 35 years old and you're looking at things and you're going, wow, you know, how am I going to live out the next 60 years of my life or more with, you know, tendonitis the rest of my life? So Mm -hmm. it was like, okay, so what am I going to have to do to fix this? So back before that, you know, I worked in engineering. So worked in production engineering. In engineering, you always like when a problem comes, you go to the root cause and kind of figure out what that is and, and solve that root cause. And I think kind of with medicine and what I was sensing just with that, when a problem came up, it was like, oh, let's mask the pain, right? We all know this. Let's, let's put cortisone shots. And I did do that once into the knee and it helped just a little bit, but it went away. And, and that even has even more detrimental effects to it long-term. So I was just like kind of lost and just kind of wondering what to do. So this was about the time LeBron James and cryotherapy was just really getting, catching on hold. And, mm-hmm. and I saw it and I was like, you know, I need to try that. That sounds like something that would help me and could reduce the pain and the inflammation in my knee because that's what's going on. I have inflammation, right? Yep. And I mean, there's now that I've learned some about it, you know, I probably wasn't recovering enough. You know, there's things I could have done to mitigate some of this, but it was like, oh, okay, well, how do I, can I stay active, keep doing the things that I enjoy and reduce this inflammation? And so the more I started to read about it and the more I started to learn about it, it just sounded like, wow, this is something that makes a lot of sense. It gets to the root cause, which is inflammation, right? And it just has a whole other host of benefits that we're not even talking about besides just reducing inflammation, right? So there was just like a lot of, you know, reasons to get behind this and try it out. And so anyways, I wanted to try not the cold baths. Um, I was a little nervous to do cold baths, which I'm sure are helpful. And I, and I do those now, but I just wanted to try the air cryo. So um, I found a location and it was about an hour away from me. And so I was driving out there and doing cryotherapy. And I mean, like within a week, I was noticed the best effect that I've had on reducing that pain since, you know, I'd had it. So mm-hmm. I was like, so how many sessions, like you said a week. So just was it a few sessions and you started seeing an improvement? Yeah, so it was three sessions, but I think I noticed it after the second session. But yep. what we're what we're learning here in the clinic and in the practice that we have now is really it takes you know a lot of people go and do cryotherapy just one off, right? And that's great, and you might sleep good that night, but really what you're looking for is kind of 
building that up, doing yep. a few of them stacked in a row, right? And that is where you start to get the benefits of the cryotherapy. So what's cool about cryotherapy now is like the price is coming down somewhere where it's manageable because there's so many clinics that are opening up and, mm-hmm. and whatnot. So, but before, I think when I was starting it off, you know, people were paying 75 bucks a pop, which, you know, that's, you're not going to be able to afford that very long. There's probably just, you know, maybe a handful of one percenters that can do that, you know? So anyways, I was working in a position, the company decided to uh, move their headquarters up to Dallas and, and, you know, I have family here in Houston and it just didn't make a lot of sense to move from Houston. So we decided to kind of put the pieces together and opened up our uh, center here. And we've, you know, started with cryotherapy and that's kind of been our mainstay for now, but we've kind of expanded into so many other biohacks, if you want to call them as well. But, you know, it, it's been so much fun to me because we talk about this all the time, Dave, it's just like, there's no dashboard and there's no way to track our health really right now. And that's one of the things that just got me intrigued with what you're doing is taking your health and putting it in a platform where you can see the data and you can see what's going on. I mean, here we are in the 21st century, we still don't even have a dashboard on ourselves unless, you know, you're kind of putting the pieces together on your own. Now, you know, how this links up to cryotherapy is what you and I are working on is like HRV and how you recover from, you know, workout or I mean from a cryotherapy sense and seeing how that plays out. So that's kind of where we're at. But that just kind of explains a little bit about how I got started, where we're at right now and, and just kind of my story here. Well, you brought up a few good points there, Bill. One of the points that I jotted down here was a lot of people, especially if you're dependent on your physical performance for your livelihood. Now, that could be someone who is a professional athlete, or it could just be someone who's working on their feet all day, driving around, delivering trucks, stuff on trucks, or just anyone who's dependent on their physical body to perform. And it's not like you can just take six weeks off and wait for your knee inflammation to heal. LeBron James can't take six weeks off to let an injury heal. They've got to get that inflammation under control and they've got to have modalities they can use on a regular basis. So I would have no interest in taking that time off either. So it sounds like this is something that can just be integrated into daily life can get you back in the game. If there's systemic inflammation in certain parts of your body that are inhibiting you physically. So I think that's the cool thing about it. Yes, there's probably some solutions you can use in conventional medicine, like cortisone injections and other anti-inflammatory type approaches. But this is something you can integrate pretty easily, which is awesome. And you know, another great point you brought up is some of the technology that we have now to cross-reference with cryotherapy. So it's very easy now for someone to get some really, really good heart rate variability data, which is an indicator of stress load on the body. And we can now easily see how that cross-references with cryo. And that's some of the stuff you and I are working on together. So we're now starting to get more pieces of the puzzle put together here. So um, I think we can go more into what other metrics you'd look at holistically as part of cryotherapy. I think that's where this conversation is going to get interesting. Inflammation markers, heart rate variability, sleep, deep sleep, that kind of stuff. There's all kinds of benefits. But 
let's take a step back here and just explain to anyone listening what the heck it is. I mean, you may have heard the word before. Maybe you're thinking of something in the Austin Powers movie where someone is cryogenically frozen. But like for someone who's not familiar with it at all, what is a cryotherapy session? Yeah, cryotherapy just meaning cold therapy, right? With air, air exposure. Yeah. Back up the tape. I was going (laughs) to distinguish that too. So yeah, obviously you can do cold plunges. That's a different kind of cryotherapy. What we're talking about is just cold air, short-term exposure. And really what's happening here is we're activating a hormetic stressor. And I think it's different than a cold bath because a cold bath, you don't really get the vasoconstriction and the vasodilation right away. This is known as the Huntington effect. And what it does is it like all the skin, your skin's your biggest organ, right? And so when you're in that cold, part of the protective mechanism is to constrict all the blood vessels and prevent the heat leaving the body, right? So you get that vasoconstriction and like the skin gets cold. And so you're in there for, you know, three and a half minutes and you come out. And then as soon as you're out, all that blood from that kind of left that basal constriction in that skin comes kind of rushing back out to the outside of the skin. And so that effect there is known as the Huntington effect. And what that does is it kind of, it does one thing. One thing they've measured is it increases a favorable neurotransmitter, which is norepinephrine, right? So, mm-hmm. so you get this like huge boost of norepinephrine and norepinephrine is just helps with focus. It helps with clarity. I mean, it's been shown to improve the mood and just people just have more vigilance with it. So you have that flood of that norepinephrine. And I mean, I do it first thing in the morning and you just feel phenomenal the rest of the day, just kind of like set your body right. So So there's a neurotransmitter effect, which are chemicals that are controlling our thought processes, our ability to focus, our ability to perform very well cognitively. So you mentioned the Huntington effect. You mentioned the process. One of the things that happens as part of the cryotherapy process is a boost in norepinephrine. And if anyone out there has studied neurotransmitters, catecholamines, dopamine, norepinephrine, so you're noticing then, and there's evidence to support that this has a boost on neurotransmitters. So that's a good reason to do it in the morning, I guess. Like you said, just you've got access to it. So so it boosts your day, it gets your focus going, it gets norepinephrine going. So that's the first kind of like biochemical thing that you've zeroed in on here as part of the process. Biochemical benefit, I guess. Yeah. And then kind of downstream of that, norepinephrine... And I mean, we can link to some of these research studies, but norepinephrine has also been shown to prevent TNF-alpha, which is one of the inflammation precursors and lowering TNF-alpha, therefore reduces inflammation. And then that will show up in your C-reactive protein test. So kind of getting back to that markers, what you can measure when we do this is your C-reactive protein. So we've had several of our clients who are on top of their health and in fact, you know, myself and have measured our C-reactive protein prior to cryotherapy treatments, like they weren't doing anything. And then, you know, they stay consistent. And when I say consistent, that's like two or three times a week. And we can kind of talk about maintenance and whatnot, but 
do it two or three times a week. And then like they measure, you know, four or five months down the road and their C-reactive protein. And we had one guy, he was at a 21 and of course he had kind of some health, which is just crazy high. Yep. And then he had tested again and he was at a three. Now he's got a lot of hardware in his foot and things like that, but he went from a 21 to three, which is moderate risk to high, high, high risk, you know? So we're seeing that in the clinic as well. We want to do kind of some more studies on that. I think there's been a little bit done. And then, oh, here's another one. We just, in the clinic, I mean, we're talking anecdotally, but the gal just told me she has uh, rheumatoid arthritis and she just went back and got a checkup. And I don't remember the marker's name, but there's one marker that they test for that in. And it didn't even show up on the test. And she's been with us a couple months. So it's really making some profound effects just on the inflammation and heck, when we get back to like longevity and the long-term health, and I don't know if you follow like David Sinclair and Pat, uh, Rhonda Patrick and all these people. So each one of them leads to inflammation, right? So if you can tamp down inflammation, you can definitely reduce the risk of all the things that come with aging. And then to my thing, you're, you might even increase it, you know? So it's got some really good effects. I mean, from a gene standpoint, it upregulates PGC1-alpha. PGC1-alpha is awesome gene that creates mitochondria biogenesis. And then the mitochondria biogenesis activates more energy. It's been really shown to work well with like endurance athletes and, and whatnot. So. so they're not using it on the high performance side. It sounds like there's a double benefit then because you're getting all these incredible downward pressure on inflammation, but it's also upregulating things that are going to increase energy levels because it's affecting the mitochondria. Is that correct? 100%. Yeah. So you're kind of getting a double benefit. Now take it another step further. So you're not only doing that, you're not doing those two things, but let's say, what about injury, injury prevention, right? So how do you get yep. injured? You overtrain, right? Yep. So you overtrain, you have inflammation in your body, you still go out and train that day, but you're inflamed. Then all of a sudden you strain a muscle, you pull a calf, something like that. And then you're out of it for another four weeks. So whereas somebody who kept their inflammation low, they recovered nicely. They, maybe they were watching their HRV. They got to train that four weeks when you didn't get to train, right? Yep. So that's, so that's, that's what be. we're seeing. Yeah. Yeah, especially at the level where those teams, I mean, even a week out of commission could be millions and millions of dollars at stake for a pro athlete. Or if you're just, like I said, if your livelihood is dependent on it. So that's another benefit then is on, on the prevention side. Like you said, keeping inflammation down to prevent injury. So, okay, those are all great things. A couple of things you mentioned, Bill, I just want to feed back for people who are listening. We talked about a few blood tests and you talked about HSCRP. For those who don't know what that is, that's a blood test you get. Typically, you go to a, a doctor for that. It's typically done as part of a lab draw. There are some kits now that you can order and it can be done at home. So um, I believe that uh, Everlywell is one of the companies where you can just order a kit it's a spot card, which simply means you're going to prick your finger like you're taking a blood sugar reading and you're going to put a few drops of blood onto a spot card and mail that back. Then there's just being able to go get your own tests for inflammation. And 
those you can get online yourself in the United States. You can just go online to any number of websites where you can buy your own test. So what's cool about what you're doing, Bill, is you have the cryotherapy machines and you're also collecting data around biomarkers related to inflammation. So that moves it out of the um, anecdotal hearsay, you know, snake oil, this cures everything to like, okay, I've got clients coming in, we're putting them into the machines, we're measuring heart rate variability, we're measuring inflammation markers, and we're seeing these benefits. That's where I think it becomes very quantified, very data-driven. So I think all of that stuff is awesome. And obviously, we want to work with you to be able to make sure we're capturing all that data. Mm-hmm. So it's just interesting. Those are some of the markers, I guess. We haven't talked yet about HRV, but the inflammation markers, rheumatoid arthritis, inflammatory conditions on the chronic illness side, and then on the high performance side, it's just faster recovery, reducing injury and risk of injury from extreme training. So I guess there's both sides of it there. Yeah. Now, and- what I'm interested in, a couple things before I go into some of the other metrics, the air temperature inside the chamber. Now, if you're doing a cold plunge, right? Like I do cold plunge here. I'm in Scottsdale, Arizona. So this is a swimming pool. We don't heat it in the winter. It'll dip down. I think right now the water's about 60 degrees. By mid-February, it's going to be in the 40s. And I'll, I'll go in the water and I'll do a, a five-minute submersion you know, right up to the chin. And so... That's 45 degrees. Now, when you're getting into the, to the cryotherapy tank, a couple things that I'd like you to comment on. One is, what is the temperature of the air? Right. And you, you also measure skin temperature on the individual. And I remember one of the first things you told me was another part of making the therapy effective is making sure that the skin temperature is reduced by a certain amount. So can you comment on a couple of those things? Yeah, I've got some uh, quite a bit comment on this. And this is kind of bugs me about the cryotherapy business and whatnot is there's a lot of different machines out there. You see them. There's some that come up to your shoulders and then there's some that you go all the way in and different ones like that. So, And you really don't know how good of a treatment you're getting unless you're looking at the skin. We talked about the Huntington effect where the vasoconstriction, the vasodilation. And some of the machines that I've been to, I've tried a few of them out. It just feels like your lower body is getting cold, right? So the more that you can get the head exposed, and you're not going to be able to do that with the nitrogen chambers. So there's many of them that use nitrogen out there that go up to your shoulders. And what it does is it fills the cold gas from the bottom up, right? And goes up to your shoulders, right? So that gas, when it comes out of the cylinder, it says that it's minus 222. Well, I really don't even care about what the gas temperature is because that doesn't tell me if I get a good obsession or not. Really what I'm after is like all of my skin across my entire body, all dropping temperature. That's really what you want. And so there's the nitrogen chambers that you can go. There's that you can go with your shoulders up, or you can find electric ones. There's some electric ones. There's um, US cryotherapy out there. They use electric, and then we use electric as well. And the reason we do that is because we can go into the cold environment. And for us, it's about minus 150 degrees Fahrenheit, which is, I think, roughly about minus 80 Celsius. So, And when you go in there, your head gets a cold. And this is an important thing because think about when you're hot, where do you put a cold towel? You put it on the 
back of your neck, right? Mm-hmm. So there's more cold receptors up high than there is down low, right? So if you can do a cryotherapy treatment where you're getting the entire body exposed to the cold, then you're going to have a much better treatment of getting all of that skin, everything down. And now what you really want has been shown if you can get like right now, normally our skin temperatures from, you know, 85 up to maybe 91, something like that depends on how hot you are or whatever. But if you can get that skin temperature to drop roughly about 30 degrees and then more, then you're going to really get that Huntington effect and you're really going to get that vasodilation. And so that's going to help oxygenate the muscles and oxygenate the body and stuff. So you, that's really what you're after is getting that. So, But you also measure that, do you not? Yeah, absolutely. You want to measure that and you want to measure it, not the bottom down by your legs, which a lot of people do. You want to measure you know, up by your shoulders and see where that part got cold, you know, because if my feet drop 30 degrees or my lower body, I really don't care. I want to know like, where's my core? What part of my body actually got cold? So where we measure is up high on the shoulder at our location. And there is a big variance on how fast people drop, especially between men and women. A couple reasons for that is men tend to have a little bit thicker skin. There can be some jokes about that. And then um, we're just not that bright. You know, we're we're pretty thick skulled. Right. And you'd be surprised how much hair insulates you, you know? So if we got a good blanket and it's going to take him a little bit longer to get down there. So cool. Yeah. So just kind of the difference between the two there. You want to make sure you're getting down below 30. So guys takes a little bit more time, but man, we'll get some of our ladies out and they can drop within like, two, three minutes down in the 40s. It's incredible. And then guys, I mean, they're still up in the 60s, 70s at the same amount of time. So, so But that's where you can calibrate. You've got a client coming in and you'll get to see based on their body type, how long it's going to take to get them down. And then when they come in, you're like, okay, I know this guy is going to need a good solid you know, five minutes before yeah. his skin temperature gets down. So I just want to feed back some of the best practices that you mentioned for people out there who are looking to start this treatment. And so you mentioned looking for facilities that can do the whole body, which is including the head. Is that correct? Yeah. You're going to get a better treatment that way. It's just, there's no debating it. I mean, in fact, I think there's most of the studies on cryotherapy are out of Europe just because I think they're more into natural alternatives. And then also they've been exposed to the therapy a little bit longer than we have here, especially from you know an air-cooled standpoint. So all the cryotherapy studies, but I think like two or three are all done on whole body cryotherapy, which means including the head, right? And that's gotcha. mostly what they use over there. So yeah, I mean, not that you can't get a good session from the ones, but you can get a better session I gotcha. think from so somebody. if possible, when you're calling up the facility in your area, you're going to want to ask yeah. them, are you doing whole body? Are you doing nitrogen versus electric? And mm-hmm. it'll just determine how effective the session can be. You also mentioned that what we're really trying to do is maximize that Huntington effect. And to really, right. to really stimulate that response, you're going to want to try to get a skin temperature drop of 30 degrees or more. And so I guess one of the other things you would ask a potential facility is, do you even measure that as part of the treatment? And where do you measure that? Because you're going to want to get somewhere on the upper body to make sure that you're maximizing. And people are spending money on this. 
So these are the questions you should ask because what could happen is you go do it and they're not doing whole body. They're not even really mindful of making sure that you're getting enough of a skin temperature drop. They, they don't measure it. And then you don't see any benefits in HRV, inflammation, and deep sleep, and, and you write it off as an ineffective treatment. So what, what you really zeroed in on are the, are the questions to ask before you go spend your hard-earned money on this to make sure that you're going to get value. Anything else you'd, you'd want people who are thinking about this to ask before they shell out money? Yeah. I mean, like you said, it's a big expense. So yeah, you know, one thing that's really important that I think is not done very well in the industry is like a lot of places they have, you know, the cryotherapy treatment just out in the open. Right. And so like, I would say, you know, a good majority of our clients are 55 plus. And one of the things about cryotherapy is you need to take your clothes off, right? And because you're wanting that skin exposure. So having a place that lets you do this in private versus out in the open is... You definitely don't want to get shrinkage if you're you're out in the open. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's definitely shrinkage happening. But yeah, you're right. (laughs) But I'm thinking more from... I got you. Yeah, just feeling comfortable with the treatment. I mean, you're taking a treatment to induce relaxation and anti-inflammation. And if you're all stressed out because you're in a public place and and you don't feel comfortable, that's not going to lead to any kind of positive associations with the treatment. Yeah. So just, you know, that's what kind of gets me about, Yeah, like you say, it's, it's expensive, it's lowering, but it's still expensive. And the other thing that we talked about a little bit ago is the maintenance aspect of it. You know, you want to know like, what are my programs to kind of keep this going? Because just yep. going once or twice, again, you're going to get a little benefit from that. But what's the long-term benefit of keeping inflammation tamped down for 10 years, right? Yep. So no longer did I you know, have the ability to generate some new disease, aging disease, because my inflammation stayed low. And I mean, it's inflammation is tied to everything. I mean, whether it's diabetes, cancer... Yep. You name it, you know, Alzheimer's, all that. Inflammation's tied to everything. So anytime you can tamp that down and you just want like a, a good environment, you know, I think like one of the things that we see here is, you know, we've got people who are retired and instead of going to the bar and spending money at the bar and having happy hour, their happy hours coming and hanging out with their friends and doing cryotherapy and then doing the Norma Tech after and just you know, shooting the bull with their friends and stuff. Yeah. They, they even kind of like make it a little social hour. Longevity. So. Yeah. And so, health, wellness, longevity. Yeah. And I mean, the guy just told me the other day, he's, you know, hasn't been sick in three years since he's been coming here. I'm like, man, mm-hmm. that's incredible. So yeah. yeah. And, you know, we live our lives at 72 degrees and Pretty much, you know, we go into air conditioning buildings yep. and air conditioning car. I mean, at least here in Houston, that's what we're doing. But same as um, Scottsdale, we're in the desert. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> we're we're not exposing ourselves like we used to, you know, in the day. The temp- you know? To temperature yeah. variation, hot, yeah. cold. I mean, that's I hated cold for the longest time. If you'd asked me five years ago, could I jump in a swimming pool that was fifty degrees? I would have absolutely said no possible chance. And, uh, you know, the only reason I discovered cold was I was living up in uh, Tahoe at the time and they had some hot springs up there and you could go and sit in the, in the mineral baths, which in and of itself was just incredible. But then 
right beside the hot springs, they had two cold pools. Yeah. And I, I remember the first time I got in the cold pool, I like got up to my knees and that was it. Yeah. And I went back again and it does take some time to build up. After just kind of, I'd say five or six times, I could completely submerge myself in the cold water. And, and it did take me some time to learn how to enjoy it. And now I find that the hot, cold, even if I'm at a hotel and they have a, a wet sauna or a dry sauna, I'll just go and do a cold shower and go back and forth. So this idea of putting our body under these different stressors to induce a positive physiological response, I think is really awesome. And uh, like you said, we're all kind of living in climate controlled environments and Mm -hmm. not exposing ourselves to things that could be beneficial in terms of temperature variation. I'd like to switch gears a little bit here, Bill, and, and for the people who are doing a lot more biohacking now, talking about how this could be cross-referenced with some of the technology out there that does heart rate variability, deep sleep. What are you seeing out there in terms of this treatment with HRV and deep sleep and other um, metrics related to uh, recovery, physical recovery? Those two in particular, I know you you have an aura ring, I have Aura Ring, I have BioStrap, I use Elite HRV. There's lots of ways to measure HRV. And if you're not familiar with HRV, it's a stress metric and there's lots of info on our website there. But can you share information where you've specifically cross-referenced cryo with HRV and deep sleep? Yeah, we haven't done a full analysis yet. But yeah, what we tend to see is the two markers you talked about before is like an increase in deep sleep and then an increase in the HRV. So HRV, you want to go up, and deep sleep, you also want to increase that. HRV, a little bit different than heart rate, right? And so a heart rate, you know, you want that to lower over time, but the kind of modulation of the nervous system after the fight-or-flight response tends to let people get a, a nice sleep after that. And there's been... There was a study that we can also link to as well. And they studied these athletes and they would do cryotherapy after, you know, their training. And then the other group didn't do cryotherapy. And they found that the cryotherapy group was sleeping a lot better than the other one. And so we all know what sleep does. You know, that's where all of the repair happens. That's mm-hmm. where all of the you know hormones get balanced. And so you're just getting all these effects of that better sleep. So in our practice and in what we're doing is we're seeing a nice little bump in HRV the day after, you know, you go to sleep that night. That's my number one metric, man. Like I, that's the first thing. I don't don't even look at any, I fire up the Aura app and I look at the nocturnal HRV. I don't really give a crap about anything else. So that's where I'd really like to start doing some of my own testing. Yeah. And then that's what I'm talking about is the average HRV while we're sleeping. And that's, that's what the Aura gives us. And so... Just a little bit in that, and you know, you're obviously wanting that to increase, and it helps modulate the nervous system, and that's really what it's about. Become more resilient, right, and be able totally. to take on more stress or stay out of that fight or flight mode. You know, it is a fight or flight mode reaction that we have, but then in turn, you know, our body—it's kind of funny because I think what our body's doing is saying, "Hey, this is stress. Not you know, worrying about whether or not you're going to make dinner, you know, that night or whatever." And so your body's just like focused on this versus your thought trying to create the stress, you know, your thoughts. So, but yeah, nocturnal HRV is what we're seeing. That's probably my favorite deep sleep. I always look at that too. Yep. 
And uh, yeah, as you know, in the CRP, as we go into that and we can kind of be ahead of the game on that and get our clients to test that, I think we'll see some nice, nice improvements with that. But that'll be kind of more over time, you know, and where that benefits and all that. So, well, if we can get a cohort of people together and we can get them stitched yeah. up with the right hardware and we can get a small study designed between our software that could quantify it all doesn't have to be a huge amount of people. We could get 10 or 12 people. And if Chuck Hazard is listening, he can find a way to get us some rings or Samir and some bile straps. And, and we can actually start to see if we can generate a statistically significant improvement in HRV and, and other metrics and CRP. That would be an awesome project for us to work on. I, I think we've laid the groundwork to do it now, just the way we're integrating yeah. our software with your facility. So we're always down for that type of stuff. Bill, this has been extremely helpful. What you've shared with us is how the physiological responses work, what some of the benefits are in terms of improving cognitive function through neurotransmitter balance, lowering inflammation, and the pathways that it uses to reduce inflammation, upregulation of certain gene activity that's going to give you more energy through the mitochondria, injury prevention, ways that people who are out there now and if you're at the high performance end or if you're just trying to find ways to get to work without pain every single day that have never tried this before, this is something that is now becoming accessible to everybody, which is exciting. I don't know, five, 10 years ago, this was reserved for the most elite sports teams or whomever that could afford this. It's now being democratized. You can find this in, in most major cities now. So if you're out there listening and you're, you're dealing with injury and pain and inflammation, you haven't found the answers you're looking for. It's easy to try this. Go in and get a package of five or 10 sessions. Bill has given you the questions you should ask a facility so that you can make sure you're going to get a good return on your investment. So you've educated people on what to ask before they go in to make sure that they're going to get a high quality service. You've also talked about some of the metrics that people can measure on their own. To That could be just for your own intellectual interest, or it could be to actually measure it yourself and see if it's having an impact. So we're rolling out the crowd therapy metric also in heads up for uh, people who just want to track it themselves. So you can use our software to cross-reference these data points. Anything else you want to pass on to people here, Bill, on the education side of things based on everything you're doing at your facilities and everything you've learned personally on this topic? Yeah. I mean, the main thing is just have fun with it. Just mm -hmm. use it as you need it. Obviously, it's an expense, but everything has either you pay kind of now or you pay later, you know, with other problems that might occur with inflammation. So it, you just have to weigh it out with everything else that you're doing. Sure. I mean, you know, this isn't to say cold baths aren't good. I mean, I love cold baths as well and you, you do them as well. So mm -hmm. I don't think it, you know, it substitutes it, but I think they both work well in their own way. But mm -hmm. like when you got, you know, five, 10 minutes versus, you know, I, I got to go get ice. I got to go get a bucket I'm going to sit in and things like that. And just kind of the management aspect of yep. that. Sometimes it's just kind of nice to get go, it done. Go get it just, done. Yeah, And it's just a different effect. I mean, yeah. it's, it's not the same. I mean, they're both good, but it's, I mean, having just that quick shock and that vasoconstriction, that vasodilation, you don't get the same with a cold plunge, but it's just different, you know? So yeah, it's just enjoy it, have fun with it. And um, yeah, 
there's a lot of companies out there. So if you don't like one place, try it at another place just because, you know, I think there is good and bad cryo out there in meaning that some people aren't doing the right things to make sure their clients are properly trained staff, just knowing, knowing really being up to, I know you're up to date on all the latest research. I know you test all the biohacks yourself. So that's not always going to be the case at these places. Right. So some good questions to ask there yeah. for sure. So yeah, this has been a good session. Like I said, we're rolling this metric out and heads up. So uh, if you're listening, hopefully this was helpful for you. Bill, I know you publish a lot of information on your company's website and you also offer a lot of other services as well. So tell us, I know you just rebranded. So what's the best way to uh, track down your facility if you're in the Houston area and then get access to the resources you're putting out there? I know you share a lot of your biohacks on social media. So Bill's a good guy to follow and learn from. So how do people get in touch with your company and uh, find you out there on the interwebs? Yeah, so I'm just underscore Bill Hanks and you can follow me there. That's just personal and what I'm doing and whatnot, whether I'm fasting or doing blood flow restriction or photobiomodulation. So kind of similar to Ben Greenfield, but not even close to, you know, as much as he posts, but it's still kind of fun. And so, and then, you know, our company, you just said we're rebranding. We haven't done it yet, but we are in the process. We'll be rebranded in February. So you still find us under our old name. And our old name is Cryo Recovery. And it's just at Cryo Recovery on Instagram. Same on Facebook or, yeah, you can just... And the website is, is cryorcv.com for those yeah. listening. And uh, yeah. Bill's got a lot of information out there on these modalities and the other stuff that he offers at his clinic. There's a lot more we could get into about the other services. We'll save those for separate episodes. I really wanted to focus on this one for now. So uh, thanks for taking time to share your expertise, Bill. All right, you bet. Thank you for listening to Data Driven Health Radio. 